0: Welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Josh Israel, joined by my co-host, Sean Cavanaugh. Sean, interesting interview today with someone from a community health center and an executive director who helps work with them. Why don't we start with what are community health centers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's sort of a generic term. You might know them by other terms like rural health center or federally qualified health center. These are health centers that are not for profit. They have a community board. They're funded by the federal government, and their mission is to extend access to primary care to areas that otherwise wouldn't have access to primary care. So very much focused on a mission of reaching the underinsured or the uninsured, though because of that, they often end up with a lot of Medicaid patients as well, and very much dedicated to being in geographic areas that wouldn't otherwise be served. From a policy perspective, they are funded two ways. One, there are grants from the Health Services Resources Administration, HRSA, for the uninsured part, but they also get special payments from Medicare and Medicaid, some people call them the PPS payments, to make sure they're adequately funded for the insured patients that they see. I know you
0: came from a policy background, so I'm I'm quite sure that you knew what a CHC was before you joined Allidade. I, I did not, and it's been really eye-opening for me to learn just all the work they do, but also just surprising how little known they are. You know, when I talk about my work at Adelaide, I always have to explain or try to explain what a community health center is. They seem to be supported on a bipartisan basis and yet the average American does not know what they are or what they do. Do
1: you have any thoughts on why that is? You are correct. They have enormous support in Washington, which is great. And I think that's because they've never strayed from their real mission, which is to serve the really underserved areas. The public may not know them as well because one, where they're located, so they might not see them as much, but also they're nice clinics and you might walk by and just think it's a regular medical office. And the
0: general theme of today, besides what CHCs are doing, are uh, what happens when you have many of your patients in value-based contracts? And what we mean by that is if you go see your doctor and your doctor has a value-based contract with just one insurer and just seeing fee-for-service with all their other patients, they may end up treating their patients differently. There's different workflows, there's different quality measures, they're rewarded and incentivized for different things. Uh, So this show is really trying to highlight what it means if you can get all of a doctor's patients under value-based care contracts, where they are rewarded, not for the volume of care, but for the outcome of their care. So Josh, let's go talk to Tracy and Kevin. All right, great. So we are now joined by Tracy Causey and Kevin Van Dyke, and I'll ask you both to introduce yourself. Um, Tracy, can you introduce yourself and in particular more about the practice that you work at?
2: Certainly. I am Tracy Causey with uh, Capital Area Health Network, and we are located in the city of Richmond, Virginia. And uh, we operate a federally qualified community health center network. Here we have seven practices, seven practice sites um, for medical uh, we have a co-located dental practice and a co-located mental health practice. So out of the seven, we have, uh, one dental and one mental health practice. Also, um, I've been here a little over 20 years. So, uh, this is very exciting for me, this new, ACO, uh, aspect and, uh, what it can bring to the organization, to the patients that we serve. So this is exciting time for us, for, for us all.
3: Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So Kevin Van Dyke, who are you? Hi, I'm Kevin. I'm the uh, Executive Director for ALDAIDS Virginia and Tennessee Markets, and in that capacity, I have the pleasure uh, to work with 17 of our uh, FQHCs in Virginia, also dozens of rural health clinics and uh, over 60 practices as well uh, in seven different health plan contracts outside of traditional Medicare.
1: So, Tracy... Kevin just mentioned seven contracts outside of Medicare. I think that's one of the interesting things about your market. Can you tell us what types of contracts your health center is involved in? And then even more than that, why multiple contracts? What advantage does that provide to you?
2: Well, I think I can start with the fact that when I met Kevin and his group, I was very excited about learning more about ACOs and what they could bring to organizations and I was very gung-ho on the work that we were currently doing and that we currently are doing as far as quality work. And so I thought my doctors, our practice, could certainly benefit from participating with an organization such as Allidade. And so, and their model fit what we were doing already. So it was kind of a seamless process for us. We put, We are participating in a couple of the contracts with them through Anthem, the Medicare and some Medicaid products. And so I think that as Alliday grow their health plan contracting, we will grow along with them. And the patients that come along with that is going to certainly benefit. I think the resources that Alliday provides to us as an organization is great. And we pass those resources on to our patients.
1: Yeah, it's, if you're doing good work and providing high value care, it's nice to get paid for it, I guess. One question, because you're in multiple kinds, can you give us a sense of your patient population? What is your payer mix like? Who do you see at your center?
2: So as, as you probably know, community health centers, fairly qualified community health centers, we were built on the notion that we provide access to anyone, regardless of the ability to pay. And uh, we started our journey many, many years ago, providing access to care for the uninsured and the underinsured. Over the course of years, that expanded into the Medicaid populations and also into the Medicare populations and into other third-party insurer plan too. And so, right now, my my patient population we serve about fourteen thousand plus people every year. We account for about forty-five to fifty thousand encounters per year. Uh, my Medicaid population sits around forty percent right now and my Medicare population is is around eight to 10% right now. And so I think we, we're we doing very well with those two populations and participating with Allidade.
0: Allidade talks a lot about flywheels. And I have to admit, I had to look up what a flywheel was the first time I heard it here. Essentially just something that once it gets moving, it's got some momentum to stay moving. And having more patients under Allidade contracts seems to be something that that lends itself to that. So Kevin, I wonder if you could speak to that. The both the pros and the and the cons of it. If any of it makes it makes your life harder to have patients, you know, some of whom have Medicaid, some of whom have Medicare and on.
3: Yeah, definitely. I, I think first and foremost, from my perspective, is we have the data, the population health data on those patients in the All-Aid app. So we can do things like annual wellness visits, transition of care follow-ups for patients who are in the hospital the emergency department, for example. So it's not just on a subset of our patients, but it's on all of our patients. Um, for example, there's some community health centers that we work with in Virginia who are doing that on all their patients working directly with the state of Virginia before, but now they have the app where we have a lot more insights and they're now able to do that as we expand contracts. They're so able to have all that information on as on, on many patients as possible. Because of course, health centers in particular, as Tracy's mentioned, you see all patients without the ability, regards the ability to pay. So the more population health data they have, the, the more it can help. I mean, the challenge obviously is the workflow and, you know, making sure you're scaling. So we are very flexible. Some of our health centers, we mentioned seven contracts before, but some of our health centers start with one or two or three, and some are like, hey, we're ready for all seven. And that might just depend on their infrastructure and experience before. So want to definitely hit on that, that we, you know, Allardy, we- We'll meet you where you're at, whether you're a private practice or a health center.
0: I just wanted to clarify for our listeners, when we say contracts, uh, you know, if we say seven contracts, what we okay. mean by that is we might have a deal around, say, a particular payer, you know, Blue Cross
1: or or Anthem Medicaid. Those would be one contract. That's correct. But Tracy, Kevin talked about workflows. What has your experience been like transitioning into an ACO? Would have been the hardest adjustments and what? Maybe it came a little easier.
2: I would like to say that it was, it was a, a little balanced. LIDA enhanced a lot of the workflows that we are currently doing. I would say that having the the data and the information that LIDA brings to the table has been valuable in how we are able to get through the day with those patients. We start out with a huddle and the information that we gather uh, the evening or the morning of the day from Alladay to make sure that we are closing those gaps and treating those patients the way that they, that they need to be treated is 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 an experience that that adds to this to the whole patient experience for for us. So so I think that the workflow has been easier uh, as time goes on. We've uh, assimilated a lot of the ideas that Alladay brings to the table. That's one thing I have to say about Alladay. They don't just throw these contracts at you and kind of say, "There you go." They uh, bring people, they bring uh, training, they bring resources. They want to make sure you are successful as they are, too. So so I think that that's a huge benefit from uh, the experience that we've had with Allade.
0: Grace, you mentioned closing gaps. You know, that's things like uh, addressing cancer screenings, making sure patients are taking their medications, things that health plans put in contracts to measure outcomes for an organization like a community health center that really is committed to seeing anybody who walks through your door you can have all sorts of different quality measures and different requirements in the contract how do you keep them straight for your for your physicians and providers
2: and that's a that's a million dollar question right there i think as you all know that the word on the street right now for physicians that everyone's overwhelmed with all the data gathering that we have to keep up with and and that's just a nightmare within itself but I have to say that the the, the the fact that we have this app and we we, we have the resources from Alladaday, it makes it much, much easier for us to keep up with those gaps and what's needed across the day for our patients. We also have a team of, of nursing folks in the, in the in the background that that help us also. So it's it, it is a team effort. We have the foundation with Alliday's app with Alliday's resources, and then we build from that with our nursing team and then the provider team gets involved. And so it truly does take a lot of people uh, to make sure that one person is healthy, or we change their change their outcome or their lifestyle. But I tell you, at the end of the day, it's worth it. It's one hundred percent worth it, and we're very proud of the opportunities that we have.
1: Kevin, I think when someone says value based care or ACOS, the first thing that leaps to mind is not a federally qualified health center. Um, but you have a network, it sounds like, of quite a few of these health centers across Virginia who've joined ACOs and are doing value-based care work. Why do you think that is? What's the attraction to these centers of the model?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the backbone of the core of federally qualified health centers is quality and quality improvement and CURSA measures and UDS measures. So a lot of this comes naturally. And to Tracy's point, a lot of this work health centers are already doing prior to Allidate, but they they just aren't getting full credit for it. And maybe they don't have the population health data outside of their four walls. So it's really a synergistic way, I think about it, like a one plus one equals 100 type of partnership.
1: Tracy, Kevin mentioned HRSA, which um, is the Health Resources Services Administration. They're the ones who give you the grants to treat the uninsured, and maybe they have smaller grant programs for other initiatives. Do any of the HERSHA initiatives or priorities work counter to your goals in value-based care in the ACO, or are they all complementary?
2: Oh, uh, they're absolutely complementary. Um, HRSA for a while, for some years now, have been talking about value-based care. And so the conversation is aligning now with ACOs and the work that ACOs bring to the table. And so value-based care, I think, is here to stay. And it's going to only get better and better. And it's going to improve the uh, outcomes uh, over the course of time. HRSA is... If not at the forefront, they are right there, neck and neck at the forefront, pushing this idea that there's value in the fact that you spend more time with the patient and make sure you're taking care of great care, quality care of the patient through these types of contracts.
0: Tracy, taking all comers, as your health center does, uh, can bring on patients with additional challenges. What do you find is different about doing value-based care, if anything, with patients who have bigger barriers in, in their social situations?
2: I don't think there are any difference in the patients that I take care of than in, a, in a, what we'll call a, a traditional private setting, a private uh, medical site. Uh, I think our patients mirror one another. I think the probably the biggest advantage that a community health center patient has over a private practice is we have a little more resources. We have more social workers. We, we have a little more resources that we can spend time with the patient to get some of their social determinants of health taken care of. And so, I think what or uh, ACOs have done is just allow the uh, spotlight to kind of shine on the work that we've we've been doing to to take care of these patients. And they've enhanced that work by bringing technology and 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 bringing other types of resources to the table that we could not have gotten ourselves. So, uh, so I think that's the advantage that the working with uh, ACO such as Alladade brings to the table for for us.
0: Kevin, what prompted this conversation for us was the recent contract that Allied made uh, with Anthem Medicaid in Virginia, and it, it's a lot of patients. Can you can you speak to the volume? Like, how many more patients will be getting value-based care now?
3: Yeah, no, we're really excited. Over one hundred thirty thousand patients across the three Anthem lines of business in Virginia in twenty twenty-four will be part of a value-based care contract. So where the CHCs and practices and all the clinicians will be awarded for, for, for providing the bread and butter primary care and keeping patients out of the hospitals, keeping them well. So we're very excited. That includes over uh, 80,000 commercial, including a for, Affordable Care Act exchange patients, over 35,000 uh, Medicaid patients and over uh, 10,000 Anthem uh, Medicare Advantage patients. Yeah, so we're we're very excited for the that type of impact. Some of our health center partners, for example, have uh, upwards of 10 or 15,000 patients that will be just an Anthem, not including any other contracts they, they may be in with with Allidate.
1: If I can take our conversation on a slight detour, Tracy, at the outset, you mentioned the services you provide, and you mentioned at one of your sites, you co-located Mental Health Service and sort of Something many, many people have been trying to achieve is the integration of behavioral health services with primary care because of so many patients, both seniors and others who need that sort of integrated approach to their to their uh, health. So have you solved this problem at that site? Do you have truly integrated care and what prevents you from rolling this out to all your sites?
2: Well, I start with the last question. What prevents us to from rolling out at all sites? Personnel, people. We don't have the manpower now. Have we solved the issue of our in- integration? I think we're on our way. I don't think we one hundred percent solved it. Solved it. Uh, I think our model, our model works very, very well because, as you just said, uh, alluded to, mental health plays a huge part of your physical health, and we figured this out many, many years ago, and we've always wanted to make sure that we were in a we were in a position to take care of both the mental aspect of a person's health care and the physical aspect also. And it just makes sense that we try to co-locate a, a, a practice such as that. And one there whereby the physician, when they notice an issue with your mental health or it may be impacting your physical health, they can, it's a phone call away, or it's a walk up, in this case, walk up the steps and get someone from the mental health department and say, look, come down and, and and let's have a conversation with this person and you do the warm handoff and the relationship is being made right then and there and it really really helps a person to know that that you have more than one person caring for you you have uh, this doctor who cares for you and you have a counselor now who really cares for you and try to coordinate all of this for you and it, it alleviates so much pressure. From the patient, the feedback that we get is that is that it's amazing. Uh, unfortunately, I, w- I will say that when the pandemic came around, we had to switch to telehealth, which is which has been great, and patients have responded very well to that. Uh, I'm a little I'm a little old fashioned. I I think people need to be in in face to face, but that but the telehealth does work also, and we've had great success. And we just encourage people, however you can, get in touch with your counselor, with your doctor. Uh, if it's through telehealth uh, in-person, we want you to do that because it's very, very important to your life, longevity, and uh, in, 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 in your happiness.
0: Chris, I wonder if you could speak to how you get your staff engaged in these models. You know, um, everybody who ends up in value-based care, they had to have some sort of journey. Sometimes it was they got paid more money for doing it, and then they became believers. Sometimes you become a believer and then hopefully end up making more money in the system but in um, community health centers where people are employees it's not such a direct financial relationship between performance and and revenue so i wonder if you could speak to any tips and tricks I wonder if you could speak to any tips and tricks you've had for uh, for engaging
2: your your staff i think we've been very lucky uh, we've been lucky in getting the getting the right staff in place who really understands where we're trying to go and what this organization is trying to to uh, do I will say that anybody, most anyone who I've run into who works at a community health center, they bring with them a sense of belonging and they sense of, they have an understanding of what they're getting themselves into. They they really want to partner back with the community many times which, which they come from or have a background with. And so it makes it easy. It's an easier conversation to connect the dots. And it's not always about money, particularly in the community health center business. We don't make a lot of money, so so it's more about all uh, the the kindness of your heart, the love you have for your fellow man, and and wanting to see people really get better, and want to prove the fact that you know your craft and you know the craft, the art that you that you are dispensing really does impact someone in the long term. And and it's not easy. It's this. It's not an easy journey. I have to say that the model that we brought from Alliday works well within the model that we have in place already. And it was very seamless. So that made it easier uh, also once we were able to show that this is what we're getting ourselves into. And look, guys, it's not much different. It's just it's, it's going to enhance what you're already doing for the patient already. It's going to make it easier for the patient to see you and, and and yeah, we're going to get a little more reimbursement for it too. So so there are some benefits there too. So yeah, it's, it was an easy conversation for us. I want to circle back to
1: something we mentioned at the top, which is that in this market, health centers like yours and others, as well as the private practices, have the option to join up to seven different contracts. Kevin, conceivably, practice could have what percentage of their patients in a value-based deal if they opted into all these contracts? And what advantage would that be for them?
3: Yeah, it could be. I mean, we. I mean, if you're in, you know, one contract, particularly for health centers, if you know, cert- there are um, a handful of exceptions of this in Virginia, but a lot of most health centers, you know, the, the proportion of, of traditional Medicare isn't as high. But once we start adding a lot of these other Medicare Advantage contracts and commercial, and particularly Medicaid. We've seen some health centers where it's it's well above half of their patients. And in most cases, particularly because of Medicare Advantage, we have the four largest payers in Virginia in addition to traditional Medicare. So we can confidently say for those that are participating in all of the plans that about over 95% of their over 65 patients will, will be in the, these contracts.
1: So Kevin, as you were speaking, it occurred to me, you know, patients churn through different coverages because of change in life circumstances or change of jobs. So presumably there's a good chance that if you if these centers lost the patient under one contract, they might just appear on the next contract.
3: Yeah. And that in itself is one of the beauties of our relationship with Anthem now, where we have contracts across all three lines of business, really cradle to grave of any Anthem patient, no matter what, what Anthem plan you have. So some, a couple of good examples of that are particularly for our health center partners that see a lot of ACA exchange patients and Medicaid patients on Anthem where one year or even during the year, income changes, you know, especially in this gig economy. If a family is making uh, 50000 and then it's 45000 they may switch from one to the other, from Medicaid to to commercial ACA plan or or, or vice versa. So that sort of flexibility. Also, when someone turns 65 that are eligible for for, for for Medicare especially because Virginia is an expansion state a lot of those uh, childless adults that are in their 50s and early 60s they may already have Anthem Medicaid but then they just become an Anthem uh, Medicare Medicaid dual eligible and all those patients will be in value
2: based contracts in Virginia which is very exciting.
0: Tracy as we as we come to the end any any last thoughts for our listeners?
2: Just that I want to thank you guys for inviting me on this this evening. And uh, I think this has been a great conversation about the ACO and all of the work that we've done with Aladay, I think has been uh, enhanced, of course. I say the word a lot uh, this evening, but I I really mean it that what we've done, uh, all the trainings and all of the support that Aladay has brought to us has really improved what we do do and how we do it. And I think our patients have benefited greatly for us. So I want to say thank you to Kevin and to Aladay and thanks to everyone there for helping us along the way. I appreciate that. Kevin, as
0: you're out there with your team working hard to make this happen, any last thoughts?
3: Yeah, we are. And I just want to thank Tracy for his team and all, all the work that that they do. And also that we're just very excited in our Virginia team and all across Allidade, but that we'll have in Virginia in this year, in 2024, we have a, a federally qualified health center, CHC only and Medicare uh, shared savings group for an ACO, for kind of care organization. So we're we're super excited about that and the continued collaboration as well, Tracy and all all the other great leaders in Virginia. We've collaborated in a lot of different work. Also, want to call out all the great collaboration with the Virginia Community Healthcare Association, which is the Virginia PCA, who I know is committed to value based care as well. So, thank thank you again, Tracy, for for all, all your great work.
1: Kevin Van Dyke from Alladade, Tracy Causey from the Capital Area Health Network. Thank you both for being here. And particularly, thank you for the great work you're doing for these beneficiaries out in Virginia.
3: The ACO Show now has a mailbag. Submit your questions or episode ideas to ACOshow at Alliday.com. This show was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Coogan, Rebecca Raymond, and Stuart Taylor. Check out more of our show wherever you get your podcasts.